Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Have you ever sat down somewhere and you want to have your devotion and all of a sudden five things come flying through your mind. I got an 8.30 meeting. Oh, I forgot to tell my wife to do this. And the kids over here, how many know exactly what I'm talking to? Well, that's that hurry sickness. It's just coming through over and over and over again. And if I'm not careful, it will be like this. I'm actually here, but I'm not here. You understand what I'm saying? God's waiting for me. And I'm kind of in the chair, but I'm not in the chair. If a couple told you about the great relationship they had, but you never saw them speaking to or interacting with each other, you'd wonder if they were telling you the truth, wouldn't you? And it wouldn't be a shock to see them drift apart and maybe even separate. It's the same way with your relationship with God. Pastor Mark will be teaching about your need to become close to God. He'll be talking about why that close interaction with God is important. They'll be telling you how to get closer to God and trying to keep you from having silly thoughts about what devotional time truly is. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 4, as he continues his message, Come Apart or Come A-P-A-R-T. Understand that Satan hates God speaking to us because he knows God has direction for us. Now, there's something, a sickness. You know, I was in the medical field for many, many years. I never heard this, but it's a great sickness. It's called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. Anybody ever in a hurry? Well, when you stop on Minton down here and 192 in the light, have you ever said, as you sit there, will the light ever turn green? What's the deal? Why are they going first? Ever been there? Yeah. You're in the market and all the air and publics or wherever you're, and you're shopping. And you look, there's only one person ahead of you. Woo, fantastic. And then... You're waiting, and the people are going through the other lines like crazy. And here's the lady, and she can't find her coupons in that dark hole that looks like hell down there. (laughs) And, of course, behind that, I'm just saying, praise the Lord, I'm at peace. I don't think so. It's called hurry sickness. Anybody here have a little bit of hurry sickness? Yeah. Hurry sickness is a very difficult thing in our life because it attacks our solitude, our alone time with God. See, you can't be in a hurry. We're not talking about an hour devotion, 
But if you're always, okay, God, you got five minutes to speak to me, otherwise I got too many things happening. Well, it's not going to work. You understand, it's an enemy of our spiritual life. We are easily distracted. We're easily disorganized. Have you ever sat down somewhere and you want to have your devotion and all of a sudden five things come flying through your mind? I got an 8.30 meeting. Oh, I forgot to tell my wife to do this and the kids over here. How many know exactly what I'm talking to? Well, that's that hurry sickness. It's just coming through over and over and over again. And if I'm not careful, it will be like this. I'm actually here, but I'm not here. You understand what I'm saying? God's waiting for me. And I'm kind of in the chair, but I'm not in the chair. Well, I'll never hear from God because I have to be all there. There has to be quietness. Remember, here's a verse, Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. We have to calm our mind to be able to hear God speak to us. Now, being that person that's always in a hurry is different than being busy. Jesus was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. He took time to listen to God all the time. Remember what Jesus said? I never do anything except what the Father tells me to do. Now, that requires solitude. That requires being quiet. Now, if I can't be quiet, I'll have a danger of doing something. I will, instead of listening to God, I'll get ahead of God. I'll make my own decision because I didn't really hear him. I didn't give him time to speak to me. I'll just go ahead and make my own decision. Here's what I want to show you. You can't go faster than the one who's leading you. Notice this statement. If you want to follow Jesus, we have to follow Jesus. You can't get ahead of him. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Get your mind roaring through all kinds of things. And when you get done with your devotion time, you go, what in the world is that? And off you go. That's the way we are. Now, you're going to see today that Abram gets ahead of God. And when we get ahead of God and we're leading God, we're in trouble because life is going to fall apart. Look at Genesis chapter 12, all of you in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 12. Scoot on down to verse 10. Here's where we are. Now, remember, Abram's living in Israel. We would call it the promised land in those days. Now, there was a famine... In the land, Genesis 12, 10. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. God allowed this famine for one reason, to test the faith of Abram. Would Abram wait for God to give him instructions? Remember, Abram's new believer is all new to him. He doesn't have a Bible to turn to. He has to wait on God or just do life himself. Well, we find, you'll see this in a moment, Abram decides in a hurry simply to do life without consulting God. He's not going to wait. He knows the danger of this famine. So he reverts back to the way he used to live with his own human wisdom. And he decides to take his family to Egypt. There they go. He doesn't believe in his heart that God can provide in this place, so he's just going to go ahead to Egypt. So here's what you see. Abram moves ahead of God. 
He is now leading the situation. But hurry sickness is not our only issue. Here it is. Pride causes us to be overconfident thinking that we have the answer. Basically, what Abram's saying is this. There's a famine. I know to handle the famine. Egypt's got food. I don't need anybody's wisdom. I know exactly what to do. And we have to remember that's not the way we do life. We do life only with God giving us that direction. Now, don't be foolish with this. You get up for work. You got a big meeting with the boss talking about a raise or whatever. And you say, Pastor Mark, do I sit down with God and pray what tie I should wear this morning? Should it be that red one that shows me I'm really good or whatever? No, that's why you have a wife. (laughs) God is not interested in a red or blue tie. Your wife is the one that's interested. That's why you got married, so she can tell you how to do it right. Now, (laughs) come on, ladies, can I hear an amen somewhere? Okay, that's good. My wife dressed me this morning. Okay, here we go. Now, when you see that, all of a sudden, here's what's going to happen. If I'm prideful or if I'm in a hurry, life's indeed going to come apart. There's going to be a problem. Now, watch what happens. True story in the Bible, Genesis verse 11. As he was about to enter Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Now you can already see, who is Abraham thinking about? Yeah, he's not thinking about her. He's thinking about, me, 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 me. Now, here's the solution. Say you are my sister. So that I will be treated well. I don't really care what happens to you. For your sake. And my life will be spared because of you. There it is very plain. It's all about him. Now, Abram became obsessed with the fear that Pharaoh might kill him. How did he know that? Well, that was historical. The Pharaohs, when people would come into their country. By the way, in the Bible, Egypt is a picture of Satan Because that member of the Jewish people spent 400 years in bondage there. So this is a picture. So Abram knew, this is not going to do well. I'm here, we're going to get food, but man, this is going to be dangerous. And basically he says to his beautiful wife, I know they're going to put you in a harem. So here's what you have to do. So Abram asked Sarai to lie by saying she was his sister. Actually, she was his half-sister. Now, some of you are going, oh, that's pretty good. That's in the Bible, right? A half lie is okay. No, a half lie is a full lie. Hello? Pastor Mark, it's kind of like a little white lie. No, a little white lie is a black lie. Lying is lying. So he's wrong. Now, look at verse 14. When Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw, here we go, that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And they praised her to Pharaoh. They went walk in to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, this is your day, baby. There's a good liquor out there. Now, she's probably 55 or 60. I don't know what that makeup was. My wife's trying to figure that out so she can order some. Now, they praised her to Pharaoh. And what happens? Look at, she was taken into 
the palace. You see, when that begins to happen, he treated Abram, look at it, well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle and male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. So Abram is rewarded, but here's Sarai. She's part of his harem now. And she knows what the next step's going to be. If somebody doesn't intervene, she's going to become the wife of Pharaoh. Now, if she becomes the wife of Pharaoh, what happened to God's promise that Abraham and Sarah would have a child and that child would establish the nation of Israel and from that would come the Messiah? If she marries the Pharaoh, that's gone. The promise is gone. So... Abram's rewarded, but Sarah's wondering, am I going to get out of this? Well, look at verse 17. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to the men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Now, as he's leaving, he's thinking, this worked out really good. I got all these animals, all this stuff. I'm rich. I'm great. But later he'll discover his life will come apart because the Muslim and the Islamic warfare that we have today in our world came from this mistake, this sin, and it still affects us today. Plus, Lot's going to cause him all kinds of problems. And you're going to see this. He looks good, but it isn't. Now, What did the Lord do? This is called, if you look at verse 17, this is called divine intervention. Did did Abram deserve the grace of God here? No, he went against God. But God came in and saves both of their lives. Now, as I said, Abram will pay for this later. He failed his first test by thinking that ignoring God And Pharaoh would be okay. No. When he left, do you know, what did Pharaoh think of Abram's God when he left? Did Abram's God look good when Abram left? Not at all. He lied. Do you understand today as Christians, we're people of influence. When Abram made God look bad, God hated that. Because God is not bad. God is good. See, Abram did it on his own. He made God look bad. So God had to intervene to save their lives. Understand, doing life apart from God causes our life to come apart. And I would like to say to this, if you want to grow and be healthy, Abram's learning here. I failed the test. He knows. Here's something I want you to understand. Look at this statement. Abram's new. Notice, there are no quick fixes to spiritual growth. It is a lifelong process of meeting with God. You can't meet with God one day every month and expect you to grow really good spiritually. It's not going to happen. I have to hear from God. I'm dependent on God. I'm not saying 24-7. Don't get weird. But I'm saying you have to take time. 
There's no quick fix. I have to evaluate my life, my priorities, by slowing down and thinking, what am I doing? You see, if I take a little time right here, and I just have this quiet time alone with God, you know what happens? God will speak to me, and something I'm kind of getting ready to go into, he'll go, Balmer, don't go down that road. And that will save me from eventually a very bad habit. See, that's where the intervention comes from God. He's going to speak to us. No, I know what's happening. Don't go there. I have to be able to hear God and obey God to do that. Now, I'm going to share with you something in a moment that I learned about 25 years ago, maybe 30 years ago now. There's a time in our life when we have to evaluate ourselves. And we have to see where we're going, how we're doing, what's happening in life. Now, let me just say this, and I want you to understand. There, I'm going to share one method that's helped me grow in my walk with God. One. Not the only one. Just one. But it's the one that I use. So it's called journaling. Journaling is the daily discipline of examining and evaluating our life in a written form. Jeremiah chapter 30. This is what the God of Israel says. Write down for the record everything I have said to you, Jeremiah. See, there's many ways of meeting with God right back here in this little quiet time. There's many ways. Journaling for me is very helpful. The bottom line is not journaling. The bottom line is taking time alone to hear God speak and have this conversation back and forth. Now, again, you have to understand that that's a way. And one of the things that journaling does, it helps you focus when you write. As you get older, you're not old enough yet, but you will be. A pen is better than your memory. Some of you say, oh, I've got great memory. Just keep getting older. You know what we have to do? You have to write it down. Writing it down is way better than your memory will ever be. Quite often, God wakes me up in the middle of the night. My wife never asks me anymore, like, where are you going at 2 a.m.? I just go, write down what he told me to tell you. (laughs) And I just write it down. You know why I do that? I can't tell you early on. I get up in the morning. What did, what, did, what did God say to me? My wife says, you expect me to know? So I write it down. So journaling is a way to help you understand what's taking place. Now, if I don't have quality time at the start of my day or whenever you can have your quiet time, usually my perspective will not be godly. See, if I don't spend a little time with God, when I walk out into the world, who's the head of the world system? Satan is. And he will want to do what? Squeeze me into his way of thinking. See, this gives me a perspective that's different. I start the day right. I understand, no, I'm one of God's. You know, I was thinking just a few minutes ago, the young man that killed the 12 people. What if he had ever had a quiet time with God? I don't know, and you don't know, we'll never know what went through his mind. But I believe early on, if he started having those feelings, if he had a relationship with God, you know what God would say? Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. 
he'd start evaluating his life. That's a crazy thing to think. I know these people. I've worked with these people all these years. He would have never gone there if he had a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, you have to evaluate your own life. Because sometimes our thinking is crazy. Just like you heard Abraham. He's selfish. He didn't care about his wife. How horrible. So understand, this is what the journaling is about. Helps me to focus. Now, how do I do that? Let me just share with you a couple ways I do it. And these are just one of many ways. I used to, for many, many years, I don't do it anymore. I had just an old book like this. And you'll see in a moment, there's three things I write down on a piece of paper. Yesterday, you don't have to copy it now, you'll see it later. Yesterday, then the Bible, what's God saying to me? And number three, pray. Who am I praying for? Who am I thanking God for? Whatever. Three things. So I just write it. And my journaling time would never really ever be more than one page. Not, sometimes not even the whole page. I just did that. I love to do that. And that helped me. And I, for many, many, many years, I had it. And after two or three years, I'd throw this stuff away because God's fresh speaking to me now. I don't need to go back to that. Then I discovered on my iPad, it's up to you if you want to do it. It's called basically Day One. Day One. It's a free app. And I go on here and I bring up every single day a new day. Boom. And I can write yesterday, or if I don't even want to do that, I just evaluate yesterday. You'll see what that looks like in a moment. I just do that. And all of a sudden, as I'm doing that, uh, then I can write Bible, what's God saying to me. And here's why I like day one. Two reasons. One, it corrects my spelling. (laughs) Don't laugh at me too much. It automatically corrects your spelling. So I do it right. By the way, my wife never reads my journal. That's between God and me. Same for her. Don't show your journal to somebody else. That's intimate with you and God. Now, you can talk to your spouse later about things, but that's me. Second thing it does, you can take a picture free on this. And here's what happened. How many of you remember mm, two, three years ago, I was having a hard time. I was at Sam's, and I pushed a card in, and I hadn't walked for a long time because I'd been in bed, and, and I couldn't run. And I tried to run, and I fell right in my face. How many remember I broke my glasses? I had cut face and blood coming out all over the place. I remember. I took a picture of that. Now, why would I take a picture of that? Because when I went to Gateway to get treated, the first person that met me was an aide. And she saw my head all over the blood and everything. My wife finally picked me up, and we went there. And, and she said, come on back. And she said, Pastor Mark, what did you do to your head? I said, Pastor Mark, who, who? she's from the church. And she says, I'm just going to wipe it off, but one of the doctors will come and sew you up. And I ended up with like eight stitches here and five inside and whatever. And she says, I have no idea who will come because we have a bunch of doctors on here. Well, here comes this lady walking in. And I said, well, that's the doctor. Here we go. We'll see what happens. And she says, Pastor Mark, I've never been this close to you before in my life. <laughs> and you know what God said to me? I have not left you. I'm taking care of you with people that know me. Yes! Now, that's not because I'm special. It's because God wanted me to know I've got you covered. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded you that there is an adversary who doesn't want you getting closer to God. This adversary uses the system he rules, the world system, to entice you away from a deeper alliance with God, his enemy. 
you found out that developing this relationship with God isn't easy or quick, it will probably take the rest of your life to get it right. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue in his second part of his series called Come Apart or Come A-P-A-R-T. He will be introducing the idea of journaling as a way to remind yourself about God's working in your life. You'll get ideas on becoming a more disciplined follower of God, which will result in your being a more effective testimony of God's ability to change lives for the better. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Come Apart or Come A-P-A-R-T. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.